2: I'm Jenna Ellis, and welcome to Just the Truth Podcast, sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find them at thomasmoresociety.org. We are going to be doing a lot of truth-telling today on this program from Project Veritas' Fox 26 whistleblower to also the breaking news from the Supreme Court today of a 9-0 opinion in favor of religious liberty. But first, we have John Solomon, the editor-in-chief of Just the News, who broke a story late last night about the Georgia audit and some shocking details that you don't want to miss. So, John, what is going on in Georgia?
3: Well, remember, we were given a story for six or seven months now. Brad Rauschenberger, the secretary of state, went on 60 Minutes and said this was the best run election in Georgia history. Not true. When you go get his documents, what do we have? Last night, we were able to get all the documents he used for what we call a risk limiting audit. This occurred last November. It was the first of two actions where Georgia said we're sure, we're confident in the ballot results of the November election that Joe Biden beat uh, President Trump. Well, when you look at the ballot results that they got from Fulton County, which is the big epicenter of voting in uh, uh, Atlanta, right, covers a big city. It's the largest percentage of vote in the state by a mile. When they went to the audit, they saw all sorts of crazy things, starting off with a remarkable thing. There were ballots that were scanned multiple times, like two dozen times, batches of 100, 200 ballots were scanned double times. There was a second thing. They had a sequence of votes where five different batches of votes each came out to the exact same total right after the other, one, two, three, four. Joe Biden, 360-plus votes, Donald Trump only 90 votes, and the libertarian got three votes. The mathematical probability of that happening is zero. Even the state says that's a problem. There's votes that that weren't counted or shouldn't have been counted and got counted. Then there is a gap in the records, and it's a big gap. It's like the 19-minute tape on the Nixon Watergate tapes. There are 150 blocks of absentee ballots that are logged in. They get a number, but on the paper that they use for the audit, by the way, they don't show being counted. They're, they're gone. They're not on there. They went to a machine but the machine tallies don't show that they were counted. That's 15 20,000 votes. Now, let's keep in mind, the, di- the difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump in the state was about 13,000, a little less than 13,000 by the final audit. So, so, so this
2: was outcome determinative. It potentially
3: here. can be. There's certainly enough votes. Uh, the, the, the votes in question are larger than the votes of the lead. Now, they'd have to break all Donald Trump for the rate. But the assurances we were given, that everything was OK in Dodge, wasn't. It's not true. Now that's the first thing. That's out there now. People can look at the documents, can read it. Tonight, about three, four hours from now, we're gonna break part two of this story. Uh, Secretary of State Rasenberger had a contractor that he sent specifically to Fulton County. Listen, everybody knows that in Georgia, Fulton County is sort of the black sheep of the voting family. It's had lots of problems over the years where tallies are not right, votes are missing, employees are problematic. And so it's always been, I always had an eye on There's always been, but in this case here, something pretty significant happened. He sends a guy there to watch and that guy watches for a while. And what does he see? He sees double scanning of ballots, suitcases with election materials, walking out with no no one even knows who the person is that walked out with it or walked in with it. Uh, he sees an episode. There is a report of an episode. The muscle that's brought in, the people that are going to run the machines, they're observed in the elevator by an election observer. And it's reported to him that they're intending to come up and mess things up. They actually use a lot more colorful language, but we won't <laughs> use that on air. You can imagine the words they might have used. But uh, they're talking about coming in and making a mess of the election, intending to—now, were they joking? We don't know. But I'll tell you what, when you look at the document, 29 pages of errors, mismanagement, mistakes, grotesque running of an election. It just—it was completely chaotic.
2: So these 29 pages, when, what was the date of this report? November. Wow. So you Georgia state
3: officials have known about it for five, six, seven months.
2: So Brad Raffensperger, in this phone call that the Democrats made a huge uh, stink yeah. about with President Trump, he knew at that point when he was saying that nothing is wrong with Georgia, he knew at that point the contents of this memo.
3: Without doubt, his office knew. It would be shocking that he wouldn't read the report of the man he sent there. And so, you know, Brad Raffensperger said, now, let's, let's keep in mind, I want to be fair to him as well. He has always said he was worried about Fulton County. He didn't think Fulton County did a good job. But you can't go on national television and say this was the best run election when you have a 29-page report laying out litany after litany of extraordinary oversights, mismanagement, uh, people not understanding, scanning ballots twice, uh, losing ballots. It's just, it it reads like a how not to do an election manual when you look at this 29 pages. And we
2: had so many other people like Bill Barr even, and uh, now Liz Cheney, right before uh, she was uh, outvoted, uh, saying, you know, this was the best run election ever. And some people who didn't even talk to a single witness, they didn't look at a single piece of evidence. And you have somebody like Brad Raffensperger, whose office had actually seen the evidence telling the Georgia state legislature this was the best run election ever. And so so I think people are wondering then what happens now?
3: It's a great question. I think the uh, thing to watch for is, does the secretary of state go take some action to remove the top officials of Fulton County? In my story today uh, that I did with Daniel Payne, he uh, he's quoted as saying, I want the top officials of Fulton County out. They're not removing them, but I want them out. There's a new law that was passed in Georgia that allows for the state to come in and take over a problematic election district. Will he exercise that law? Some people say that's under discussion right now. That could be the first round of accountability, right? The second round of accountability is going to come Monday. There's a court hearing by the private attorney who forced the audit, the unsealing of the absentee ballots, which, by the way, has been going on very quietly. It mirrors exactly what we report in our story. We talked to Bob Cheeley, the lawyer. It matches exactly what we're finding in our thing. He's going to ask for deposition power, which means that people are going to have to raise their hand now in Fulton County, if he gets that, and answer questions under oath. Will they? Will they take the Fifth Amendment? We don't know, but that is the next round of accountability. Those two things, I think, are going to happen very quickly next week. The third question is, does the Georgia state legislature say, we want those documents and we want to find out where are those 150 batches? What precincts were they in? One of the odd things in the, note, uh, the notes of this uh, contractor when he's observing is there's a low volume of information going out and back from the north part of the county. What what's that? Does that mean? That's the Republican part of the county. Were they suppressing votes out there? I don't know, but he he thought it was important enough to to write it in his report. There is a roadmap for lawmakers if they want to exercise their constitutional duty in Georgia to go get these documents and find out what happened.
2: Hmm. So two quick follow-up questions. One, how many uh, ballots are actually in a batch? 100. 100. So
3: if you have 150, you get 15,000. Uh, if you have that group, now the group that had the identical count was a six or seven hundred. Uh, ballots. So, if you do that four or five times, you start to get much bigger numbers. There are a lot of ballots. There are thousands, and potentially a couple, a couple tens of thousands of ballots that are in question here, uh, and that's only from our work. You know, get a real expert, a forensic expert who knows what else they're going to find. what
2: they're trying to do in Arizona. And then uh, very quickly as well, so this 29-page report, um, obviously you've seen it. Is that going to be made public?
3: We are. We're going to put it on our website. We got it under FOIA. It's available for everyone to see. Check it out in the morning.
2: Absolutely. So John Solomon will be following this story very closely and make sure that you are following all of John's great reporting at Just the News. Uh, This is absolutely the mechanism that we need to hold the states accountable, make sure that legislation is passed in these states to secure our vote. We'll be right back with more Truth-telling from the Project Veritas whistleblower, right here on Just the Truth.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClair knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students
1: master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at metacom slash impact.
2: Welcome back to just the truth and the truth is continuing to come out in multiple areas on multiple fronts. You probably heard of the Fox 26 whistleblower reporter who said this past week live on air that she is being censored. Watch this outages across the region. Fox
0: 26 reporter Ivory Hecker is live in Montgomery County to take a look at that aspect. Thanks, guys. That's right. Before we get to that story, I want to let you, the viewers, know that Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being subjected to this. I am going to be releasing some recordings about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because it applies to you, the viewers. I found a nonprofit journalism group called Project Veritas. It's going to put that out tomorrow, so tune into them. But as for this heat wave across Texas, you can see what it's doing to AC units. This one, broken down as we
2: And Ivory absolutely did give that information to Project Veritas, and this is what she had to say to James O'Keefe. Fox came at my
0: throat for standing up against censorship.
3: In my opinion, you failed as a reporter.
0: From the inside, yes, there's a narrative. Yes, it is unspoken, but if you accidentally step outside the narrative, if you don't sense what that narrative is Mm -hmm. and go with it, there will be grave consequences for you.
4: It's not just about the viewers, it's about what our CEO reads. It's about what our GM reads.
3: My question is very simple, why are you doing this?
0: It affects the viewers, that's why I'm doing this. The viewers are being deceived by a carefully crafted narrative in some stories. I have passed
5: on Bitcoin stories. African-American audience of five, it's probably not gonna play. That's a choice I'm making, an editorial choice. That seems sort of a racially charged statement to make.
0: I want out of this narrative news telling. I want out of, of this corruption.
5: Are you afraid of doing this?
0: I haven't had a lot of fear about it. I'm, I'm so horrified at what the news business has, has stooped to.
3: What you just heard was our newest insider, Fox 26 reporter, Ivory Hecker, blowing the whistle on her own network's bias. Hecker felt compelled to come forward and shine a light on what she says is Fox 26 being, quote, deceptive to viewers.
2: Wow. Well, we certainly are willing to help tell the truth here. So joining me now is Ivory Hecker, the Fox 26 whistleblower, as well as Spencer Meads, director of Insider's Project for Project Veritas. Thank you both so much for joining me here on Just the Truth.
1: Thanks Thanks for for having
2: having us us. yeah absolutely and so ivory i will start with you uh this is absolutely shocking what you've revealed so tell uh the viewers here the truth about your experience at fox26 yeah well the most horrifying
0: thing was that they at the lengths that they went to to teach a reporter a lesson if they couldn't uh, catch wind of that unspoken narrative so in my case they actually went so far as to internally defame me, write a memo uh, with a a false narrative, put it in my um, file at Fox so that the executives could see it would hurt me. I wouldn't be able to move forward in the company. And it would teach me a lesson to just get in line instead of uh, collecting the facts on the ground. Basically, the lesson was if there is a fact on the ground that's not going along with the narrative that we're seeing in all the other media, we don't cover that fact. Okay, I'm not okay with that. I'm I want to grab what I'm seeing on the ground and show it to the people. And also, if the people are sending me questions about it, I want to ask those questions freely. Fox is not okay with asking certain questions. The viewers were hitting me up about a hydroxychloroquine constantly. I asked a question about it. I got in major trouble. That's not okay. That's just one example of the many questions I get in trouble for asking. Vaccine questions, I got in all kinds, I mean, I have countless recordings. I have hours of recordings, okay? We just showed you guys a little bit. I let Project Veritas pick uh, their favorite parts of what I recorded,
2: but there are so many times over this past year that were really alarming And I think that uh, this is definitely the moment in in time where viewers are understanding that there is a narrative from the mainstream media. There is suppression of the truth. And Ivory, I want to commend you for coming forward because uh, this is now, of course, you know, Fox released a statement saying that you're just a disgruntled former employee. um, And so, of course, they're trying to cover themselves by putting that in your file. It sounds like a very similar thing happened to me when I refused as a young prosecutor to prosecute um, a case that I thought was political. Politically motivated and they tried to cover their tracks and say, well, she made mistakes on a couple of cases. That's what these kind of people do. And so, Spencer, I want uh, to come to you and just say, you know, what what else can we expect now from Project Veritas that is, uh, that's going to be coming forward as far as this shocking story?
5: Well, what I can tell you is Ivory has inspired many people across the country. Uh, we've had so many people at similar stations to Ivory, all over the nation say, I'm, you know, I'm going through this too. I, You should hear the censorship that I'm experiencing. You should see the stories that, that I'm not allowed to cover. I, you know, we just can't wait to get all of these stories out there. We've had uh, just, uh, just a multitude, an overwhelming response to Ivory. They say Ivory has inspired me. They say, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I had the courage to come forward and talk about what I'm experiencing in my station, but then I saw Ivory do it. I saw her just quit live on air. Well, not quit, but she said, "I'm going to tell my story of Project Veritas." Right. And I they...
0: dared them to make to to make me quit. And and you've or, actually I now you were terminated after that. Is that right. correct? Right. I dared them to fire me. That's what I. And I wanted one one reporter actually hit me up, and I what he's saying is totally true. There's so many good journalists who are basically being pressured and bullied into keeping in line uh, with a narrative um, and not don't ask don't ask certain questions or otherwise you're a weirdo or something uh, so but there was one reporter a reporter friend of mine who hit me up uh, about her station and said uh, several months ago this was this was happening something happened in the media over the past year where this new, just incredible narrative pressure came on like I've never seen before in my, my nine years of a re- as a reporter. Uh, it's just been something else this past year. And this reporter was coming to me after, after I came out this week and saying at her station, it was the same way. And actually a group of reporters in her station got together and forced change going up to the highest levels of the company. And I guess forced some people out and made some change. So she hasn't spoken out about it yet because she's still in the company. But I'm. Um, I'm telling her, tell your story when you get out, girl. But that's just one of of the situations that, you know, I am not the only one.
2: Right. So what kinds of questions were you wanting to ask specifically about the COVID uh, narrative that we now know there's so much that's coming out about Dr. Fauci, his emails and this uh, what seems like a cover up. And that was one big aspect of what you say that Fox uh, 26 was not allowing you to cover. Well, with the vaccines, it was just, uh, you know, if
0: you look at the comment section, we have a closer uh, relationship with our viewers than ever. Just look at the comment section on your social media. They're, the viewers are speaking directly to you and they are screaming their questions about vaccines. A lot of people had questions because this is a, is a new kind of vaccine like we've never seen before. Fox did not want to hear their questions. I could not uh, get stories approved with their questions about uh, about you know safety concerns. In fact, uh, one story my boss even, specifically, it's when she assigned me to cover the Johnson & Johnson, the six of blood clots that had happened with Johnson & Johnson. But when she assigned me to that story, she specifically said, do not talk about the fact that the CDC also put out that so far, 3,000 people have died after vaccination. I do not want you to talk about deaths after vaccination. So when you ban a reporter from, from putting out a specific fact That is very creepy, uh, uh, and you're not being a true journalist. That's that's what propaganda is when you uh, select facts to to fit your uh, agenda
2: of persuasion. So, that's just one example. So, so did she give a reason for this? I mean, this was the directive, and did she tell you this goes against our narrative or say anything else as far as the editorial decision making? Oh, they would never use
0: the world word narrative because in in their in their uh, little world, there is no narrative that they follow. They're in such denial about this. But uh, her idea was just that, you know, well, there can can be a tiny amount of of bad reactions to anything. But if we put out those little numbers, it's going to freak people out. So let's just let's just not put that out. We don't want people to get scared because the vaccine is a good thing. So that's that that was her opinion.
5: And then uh, one one glaring part uh, in Ivory's reporting that didn't fit the narrative. Uh, Dr. Joseph Verone is the chief of critical care at uh, United Memorial Medical Center in Houston. And so he's, he's legitimate. He's, uh, he's a well-respected doctor. He's on the ground treating these patients and told Ivory that he did have success with hydroxychloroquine. And uh, Ivory's boss, assistant news director, Lee Meyer, said, you need to take that out, cut that out. So, and you know, at the time, this was a, a very hot topic. Everyone was was curious about this drug hydroxychloroquine. And now uh, in the most recent study that came out uh, study, I believe it was St. Barnabas in New Jersey, they did a test on 200 and some patients and found it increased survival rates by 200 percent in patients with severe COVID cases. So it, it it turns out that Ivory was on to something. Ivory was following the facts. She was receiving tips on hydroxychloroquine and just pursuing the truth. Ivory had no investment in hydroxychloroquine, no interest, no personal gain from the success of hydroxychloroquine. Ivory was just doing what a great journalist used to do, following the truth, regardless of whether it stuck to the corporate narrative, and was punished for it.
2: And that seems like the standard now in the media, Ivory, and, you know, this is one affiliate in Fox 26, but uh, are you aware, have you spoken to other people in any other affiliates that have said the same thing, that it's more of a systemic problem corporation-wide? Within Fox Corp? Yeah, or other, other media. Yes, I've actually,
0: yes. Other corporations as well as Fox, people are upset. They are really upset with this this narrative. I have spoken to other insiders and I'm hoping they'll be uh, brave enough to come out because I know that America is begging them to just be Amer- like, what we do is public. Obviously we put out public stories and America is not dumb. They see through these things and they're sick of it. And in many cases, they've turned off the the misleading news. My yeah. station's ratings went down by
2: 30 to 40 percent Wow. Well, we'll have to leave it there. But Ivory, thank you so much for coming forward. And we want to get to the truth. That's what true journalism should be about. So we'll be right back.
4: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And
2: Just the Truth. And this morning, the Supreme Court issued a unanimous opinion holding that the city of Philadelphia can't force a Catholic agency to certify same-sex couples as foster parents without violating the First Amendment. This is a huge win for religious freedom amid a very hostile leftist culture that is trying to force faith-based churches, businesses, and individuals to affirm LGBT lifestyles. So joining me now to discuss is Ryan Bangert, single Senior Counsel and Vice President for Legal Strategy with our friends at the Alliance Defending Freedom, where, full disclosure, I am also an allied attorney. So, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Pleasure to be here, Jenna. Thank you for having us.
2: Yeah, so this is a great win, and ADF filed an amicus brief or a friend of the court brief in this particular case. So uh, I think everyone was surprised that it was a 9-0 opinion on the right side.
1: Well, surprising, but, you know, I think it's the right decision. And I think it just goes to show how egregious the actions taken by the city of Philadelphia really were here. But it was, as you described, a fantastic win for religious liberty, uh, something that all of us can celebrate.
2: Yeah, and so, uh, so this case dealt with um, a Catholic agency that was simply saying that they were uncomfortable, uh, based on their sincerely held religious beliefs, placing foster children in same-sex couple homes. And the city of Philadelphia was attempting to, uh, to, to basically say, you have to do that if you want to be certified. So what was, uh, what was the holding and the reasoning of the court in this particular case?
1: Well, that's right. And the majority found that this law, this rule that the city was trying to apply simply was not neutral or generally applicable. Uh, it actually, it was hostile toward religion. Uh, there were exceptions to the law that could have been granted, but were not. And the court found that under those circumstances, uh, the, the agency needed to be given the benefit of the doubt. It needed to be given the opportunity to be exempted from this requirement. Uh, And and that was a the fact that they weren't. It's a violation of the free exercise exercise clause of the First Amendment.
2: This is a huge victory for religious liberty and I know even in my own home state of Colorado uh, there are a lot of similar legislation that has been uh, attempted to be forced through our Democrat controlled House and Senate and so I think this is going to have a wide impact for um, a lot of these agencies across the country and so uh, what was uh, ADF's role in this I know we we already said that uh, you filed a friend of the court brief uh, but you also represent a few other clients in this particular area.
1: That's right, we certainly do. We did file a friend of the court brief in the Fulton case, but all across the country right now, public accommodation laws are being used to discriminate against and oppress people of faith. Jack Phillips is a perfect example of that. L. Stutzman is another example. Uh, But Jack Phillips is currently in court right now in Colorado, uh, yet again. And in this case, he is being sued by an individual who requested a cake to celebrate a gender transition And the district court just yesterday ruled against Jack under the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act, uh, holding that Jack is required to violate his faith by creating a cake that would send a message of celebration of a gender transition. And that's just simply something Jack cannot do. And we are very hopeful that precedents like Fulton will begin to push back on these egregious applications of of anti-discrimination public accommodation laws that to perversely discriminate against people of faith.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Jack Phillips and Masterpiece, and uh, this is something where he has been fighting so strongly against a a ridiculous system in Colorado, and I'm so thankful that ADF is uh, going to be appealing that and is uh, defending him. And so the tension here, though, that I want to ask you about, Ryan, the the leftists and even some, unfortunately, people who say, you know, we need to be tolerant, their comeback is saying, well, why can't he just bake a cake? Why can't uh, these agencies, you know, this has to be equal for all, and We should be tolerant. And so how come they can discriminate against LGBT? What's your response?
1: Well, it's not just baking a cake. It's sending a message. It's communicating a message. What they're really asking is, Jack, why can't you just change your mind? Why can't you just bend the knee and submit to this cultural narrative that we're wanting to force on you? That's what they're effectively asking Jack to do. Uh, so when they say just bake the cake, they're being disingenuous. They're they're not properly framing the issue. The issue is can the government under penalty of court, under coercion of penalty, require people to violate their conscience? That's the right question. And the answer to that is clearly no, just like the Supreme Court just told us in Fulton.
2: Yeah. And so where do you think then that this uh, portends for the future of religious liberty that we did get a 9-0 ruling today from the Supreme Court on the correct constitutional side?
1: Well, I think it portends good things. Uh, obviously, the fight's not over. The Supreme Court's decision did not, in fact, overturn Smith, which many groups, including ours, was, was hopeful it would do. Uh, but we, were caught, we regarded the optimistic because that was a big ask. Uh, but I think you saw the the at least the outlines of a coalition forming at the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Smith. Uh, three justices flat out said that Smith should have been overturned. Uh, three others said that Smith uh, should is should be questioned, and if a proper standard can be developed, should be overturned. So I think you're you're slowly seeing the emergence of of a majority on the court that is willing to re-examine uh, Smith, and so I think this is a very good step in the right direction very little uh, to be disappointed about today with Fulton. uh, And we're very hopeful that it portends good things for people like Jack Phillips and L. Stutzman going forward.
2: Well, Ryan Bangert, thank you so much. And uh, for people wanting to support the Alliance Defending Freedom, go to adflegal.org. And now uh, joining me for the power panel to react is my good friend, David Harris Jr., who's host of The David Harris Show, and Jaco Bujans, who is the founder of sharetogethernow.org. So gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me tonight.
6: Absolutely Jenna always a pleasure.
2: Yeah all right so uh, so David, we'll start with you. Um, so this is such a great win for religious liberty. I know that you and I have championed uh, religious freedom so much uh, so what's your reaction to the Supreme Court's decision today?
6: Well, it's 100% absolutely what we want and what we need and needs to be the rule of law. It should be what other courts around the country are paying attention to when it comes to anything that's violating an individual's religious liberties. Uh, that's the bedrock and it should be the bedrock of our country it's why we why we defected why we left england uh we wanted to actually be able to worship and have the the right to worship uh and it's uh it's nice to see an actual nine zero no uh you know no uh backing away from what should have been an easy thing to uh conclusion to come to yet we still see as he mentioned the other baker that's you know, being uh, being going after and targeted by the LGBT progressive community and the political operatives, the people that have been elected to uh, lay laws down in certain, in certain cities. Uh, they're going after people that are standing up for religious liberties. But it is a huge win and something we need to see a lot more of.
2: Yeah, and Yako, um, you know, this is, again, a a huge win for religious liberty. And I think that a lot of people see, especially during Pride Month, uh, this tension between the LGBT uh, lifestyle and this. I mean, and they only comprise about 3% of the population, but the mainstream media wants to pretend that this is literally everybody wants to be non-binary or transgender or, you know, move to this whole toleration and acceptance. And they're forgetting that the First Amendment specifically says that the right to free exercise of religion is sacrosanct in this country, and our government is obligated to preserve and protect it. So what's your response to a nine-zero 0 opinion today?
7: Yeah, it's about time that new precedent is set again, and that we turn the clock back to remembering why this country was founded. And the ultimate document that it was founded upon, is, in fact not the Constitution, it's the word of God. And the Constitution lining up with the word of God and religious freedom is paramount in our country. And so here a precedent is set today, 9-0, which I now hope will spread through the nation. Because what I found, Jenna, in 2020 through COVID is Americans are looking for someone to champion A voice of truth and champion a cause such as this network. David Harris is such a great voice for that. So are you. And so hopefully this is going to give people license through the country to say we can stand up for our faith. We can, in fact, say no. You have the right to say no. So hopefully this nine to zero, which is decisive, is is fantastic and will empower others throughout the nation to stand for their rights.
2: Yeah, so well said. And you are also one of those strong voices. So don't leave yourself out of that mix, Yako. We so appreciate your voice as well. And uh, and David, I think Yakko's right that uh, I think this will give hope and encouragement to people because as more and more people stand boldly and organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom, the Thomas More Society and others are pushing back and winning these legal fights, it will show the American people that uh, this isn't just something that that is going to uh, get you canceled. This is actually something that our Constitution and our founding stands behind, and we can be proud to be Americans with that.
6: Absolutely. And in this heightened cancel culture where people are so afraid to be demonized or vilified for standing up for their faith and standing up for what they believe in, you know, the reverse on the other side, they want to attack you if you don't kowtow to their uh, progressive agenda. And on our side, we need to be bold as lions. We need to stand with truth. We need to stand for justice. We need to stand for our beliefs. And hey, we're not out shoving our beliefs down everybody else's throat and suing people that uh, you know left and right that don't agree with you know what we believe. Uh, it's time that we stand up, and people around the country stand up. They're not afraid to speak their speak their truths and to stand up for what they believe in. And that's what we need. We need a revolution of Americans in this country that are willing to do whatever it takes to speak up, stand for truth, stand for justice and stand for what this country was founded on.
2: Yeah, that's such a great point, that true tolerance is actually uh, what the religious right is displaying and saying that the First Amendment protects everyone. And it's actually the radical left that is trying to suppress and silence anyone who doesn't agree with them. They're the ones who don't want tolerance to be a two-way street. And so, Yako, in just the last about 30 seconds we have here, uh, what is your message to Americans and especially faith-based Americans to stand firmly on biblical truth?
7: Yeah, it's time to take biblical truth and put it into action. Faith without work is dead and walking it out and, and understanding when we say no weapon formed against you will prosper. There's value, there's power yeah. in that. This is David standing in front of the Goliath saying, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? I just killed the lion and the bear with my bare hands. I'm not going to cower down to a man and stop cowering down to men. The ultimate man we serve is God. And this power and authority in taking a stance and you can stand on his word, and it's when you come with power that the coward will coward.
2: Amen to that, and we'll be right back with more on just the truth.:
1: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news.
2: Welcome back to Just the Truth and our power panel reaction tonight with David Harris Jr., the host of The David Harris Show, and Yako Buyans, who is the founder of ShareTogetherNow.org. So, gentlemen, uh, we've been talking about the importance of religious liberty, the importance of a truth-telling. And earlier on in the program, I know you have seen uh, the Fox 26 whistleblower, Ivory Hecker, who uh, was just amazing in coming forward talking about the narrative of the mainstream media that has not over the past year wanted to reveal reveal the truth about COVID, the truth about uh, a lot of things. And so both of you are prolific in the media. That's one of the reasons I love to have you on here on Just the Truth. And so, Yako, uh, what does it say to you when legacy media is silencing reporters and saying you can't go out and talk to doctors because hydroxychloroquine is a narrative that we don't want to share?
7: Yeah, it's, it's, again, very simple, actually. The answers are normally simple. The truth sets people free. And they want to enslave people. They want to indoctrinate people. They want to control a society. So they know very well that the truth will set people free. Because the truth allows you to think for yourself. And we cannot, as Americans, forfeit our right to think. That may not be in the Constitution, but we actually have a right to think for ourselves. And logic has to get back into the equation. So the truth sets people free and simply this administration and the media particularly that seems to the tails wagging the dog, the media runs the nation. They don't want people free.
2: Yeah. And uh, David, there was a study uh, just this week that at least 60 percent Over 60% of Americans actually think that the mainstream media is uh, treating Joe Biden favorably. I think it actually should be more than that. I think everybody can see that the mainstream media is treating Joe Biden very differently from Donald Trump. So how can Americans uh, see the truth? I mean, other than obviously shows like mine, shows like yours, uh, but how can the average American say, I want to cut through this and get to the truth?
6: Well, I think that uh, we're seeing some of that take place, and and congratulations and kudos to Ivory for coming out and sharing exactly what her Fox News station was doing. And just think about that, right? Fox News and the Fox network is something that most conservatives for decades have been able to believe is trustworthy news, a source for really getting the facts and not being swayed. We can't forget that they call television programming for a reason and they've been, they've been having their fun programming the people uh, the way that they want to push the narratives that they want us to believe and now we're hearing it come from Fox. So I think what people need to do is they need to do their own research. I'm a big proponent of doing your own research, really digging in, scouring the net, finding other sources like your show, like people that you follow, like the people that you have on to find alternative news sources for where they can find the information and the facts to what they the questions that they want and uh, we we do have the the right to pursue life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and i think pursuing happiness is pursuing truth and understanding that we we don't want to be lied to and that that seems to be the agenda of most corporate media today
2: yeah, and you know the Supreme Court has actually affirmed that uh, the only absolute right that we have is the right to believe, and that's something that is so incredibly important to every person. And then, of course, exercising our rights—that's uh, something that must be protected. And when we talk about uh, the mainstream media that is wanting to shape this narrative, they're wanting to silence and coerce people. We also have to talk about big tech because, Yako, that's uh, a supplement, and that's kind of this the. Uh, The opposite side of the same coin of the the main big tech platforms that are silencing conservative voices that are simply asking questions. I mean, this isn't even just about fact checking or false narrative. Even people who are asking questions about the vaccine, that was Project Veritas's other whistleblower, the Facebook whistleblower that was saying vaccine, quote unquote, hesitancy was being silenced across that platform. That is absolutely ridiculous and shocking.
7: Yeah, when you have big tech that literally, by number, outnumbers most countries, and then when you think that there's a single big tech platform that has more data on certain nations than their governments have, even in this country, has so much data that can literally move a nation in an election, as we saw, or or coerce people to think a certain way, you've got a huge problem. And, And make no mistake, the American people is a means to an end for big tech. It's all about your data. It's about harvesting your data. It's about selling your data. And we're talking about Facebook, the leader here, and, and all those in tow. And so it's time for the alternative you know, news media sources to rise up. And you asked earlier, how do people, I agree with David, how do they get their, their information? You've got to go dig and really think for yourself. But big tech, make no question, can rival big pharma in this country. As looking at the American people as a means to an end, a number, and it's time to deliver a big blow to big tech with alternative sources uh, for people to have options.
2: Yes. Alternative sources. I mean, I tell everyone I read everything from the far left to the far right. And I also ask questions. And just because it's a similar narrative across uh, big you know, big tech, big media, legacy media, that doesn't mean that we can't think for ourselves and just ask the questions. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. The group think and sort of bandwagon fallacy. There's a reason it's a bandwagon fallacy. And, you know, David, um, I love your T-shirt. Have to ask about that because in the midst of all of this truth that's coming out about Fauci and the emails, why are you wearing that shirt?
6: Well, because I believe 100% that Fauci and his two-faced lying behind uh, is exactly why this country went through such a devastation in 2020 and still into 2021. You know, Fauci was found out to be a fraud. His own emails, He agreed, he acknowledged that masks, wearing masks didn't do anything, yet he still continued to push that on the American people. And it stripped our freedoms away. You know, I travel all the time, I just traveled to and and back from Florida, Uh, everybody's wearing masks in airports. I was hoping that when all this fraud came out, uh, exposing Fauci, that the airlines would say, hey, no more masks. The schools would say, hey, no more masks, yet we still are living in a society where they're continuing to push for us to wear masks, us to be compliant with the narrative that does doesn't even make sense, that doesn't even go with science. So I, I believe we need freedom from Fauciism, and I'm hoping we have an army of people that wear these shirts, they can get them at davidharrisjr.store that are standing up for our liberties as American citizens and are saying no more, we need to not only fire Fauci, but we need our society free from Fauciism.
2: Yes. And I love that it's Fauci-ism because it's really about a worldview. This isn't just a narrative. And Yako, as you always say um, about the Christian worldview, we have to make sure that we are believing in truth. We are seeking out truth. And so this whole ism is a is is part and parcel to this whole idea that we have to harness the truth. We have to be in the word of God. So thank you, David Harris Jr., Jaco Buyans, for joining me tonight. And now we are going to have a special about uh, President Trump and his appearance coming up on The Water Cooler with David Brody on Monday. Watch this.
6: Tune in Monday for an exclusive interview with former President Donald
3: Trump. From COVID treatments to border security, Trump was right. The Hydroxychloroquine is not effective in treating
4: Coronavirus disease. Uh, many doctors think it is extremely successful.
6: New study says the survival rates could be increased by as much as three times. All Americans
4: are hurt by uncontrolled illegal migration. I would, in fact, make
1: sure that there is.
4: We immediately surge to the border. Biden, he's going to help all of us. He's given us a hundred days to get to the
6: U.S. The increasing surge of migrants on the southern border is reaching emergency levels for the Biden administration. Trump was right. Don't miss Donald Trump on Water Cooler with David Brody, Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern.
3: I'll be there. Real America's Voice.
2: Tonight, Victoria's Secret announced yesterday that they are canceling their Angels program and instead introducing what they're calling the Victoria's Secret Collective. They're replacing their supermodels with transgender models, literally men who are wearing women's underwear as models, and faces like Megan Rapinoe, an open anti-feminine lesbian with dyed purple hair. So, why is this important to cover tonight? Well, we're seeing more and more companies caving to cultural pressure to pretend that there are no biological differences between men and women, that everyone wants to be gender fluid and non-binary, that women should want to be traditionally feminine. The left can't even define woman anymore. That's how ridiculous this is. Rapino said that Victoria's Secret was previously, quote, patriarchal and sexist, viewing not just what it meant to be sexy, but what the clothes were trying to accomplish through a male lens and through what men desired, unquote, and that she's been convinced the company wants to change their image. So now we have one of the largest companies that sells women's undergarments and lingerie promoting the lie that women cannot be traditionally feminine if we also want to be empowered. Is Victoria's Secret really trying to pretend that women aren't into being sexy and beautiful too? Because I don't want to look like Megan Rapinoe. I can be feminine and empowered. Thanks. A lot of conservative women who actually value our femininity took to Twitter to push back. One of those women is my good friend, Amber Athey, Washington editor of The Spectator and one of my favorites to follow on Twitter for truth telling. She tweeted this. Women want to look hot for men. You idiots. Amber joins me now. Amber, thanks. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Jenna. Yeah. So what's your reaction beyond obviously your very succinct tweet? Yeah, I mean, that pretty much sums
4: it up. But what really bothered me about the Victoria's Secret explanation for why they're changing their brand is you have this male CEO and a lesbian woman, neither of whom are interested in attracting men, telling women what they want. These are uh, small subsets of the population, transgender women who are, of course, biological men and lesbian women, basically taking over an entire brand and pretending that they speak on behalf of all women women do want to look good for men. Any woman who says that she is buying lingerie for herself because she wants to look good, hanging out on her couch watching Netflix with her cats is an absolute liar. There is only one reason why women purchase sexy lingerie. And Victoria's Secret claims that they are changing their branding as well because the angels promoted unrealistic body standards and promoted sexism. I'm sorry, but what is a more unrealistic body standard then switching over to a woman who is paid to work out for a living. Megan Rapinoe is a world-famous athlete.
2: The idea that her body standard is somehow more attainable than a supermodel is absolutely ridiculous. So well said. And in uh, delivering their message and saying we're going to change this brand image, they also put out this. Uh, We can't wait to share more exciting details about The Collective, including a Victoria's Secret Collective podcast series. Now, I don't know about you, Amber, but I don't really need my bra to talk to me.
4: (laughs) No, definitely not. This is reminding me of those Barbie dolls where you would pull the string and they would say things like, I hate math, except now I guess they'll say Black Lives Matter. (laughs) And Victoria's Secret uh, is actually getting rid of their competitive advantage in the market. So this doesn't even really make sense from a financial perspective. A ton of other female lingerie brands and undergarment brands have decided to go the route of comfort over style. Aerie is a great example of that. They're a company owned by American Eagle. They decided to go in on the what they call the real body or body positive movement. Victoria's Secret was actually one of the few remaining brands that leaned in on this idea of having these beautiful lace donned garments that were made for uh, attractiveness rather than straight up comfort. And now that they're going the route of all of these other brands, they don't have that different thing that sets them apart. You don't, they don't have that idea that women are going to go there knowing that they're looking for something nice to attract a partner.
2: Yeah, and this is really sad, Amber, and I'm glad that you are among a lot of other women speaking out about this because we can be empowered women and still want to be attractive for men in our lives. And I think that that's absolutely shameful that Victoria's Secret is buying into this cultural narrative that we have to just be non-binary and their brand, I think, is going to suffer for it. So as you're talking out to young conservative women, what is your message to say, hey, you can still embrace your biblical God-given femininity?
4: It is basic human biology that the sexes are attracted to one another and they want to do things in order to find a lifelong mate and eventually create a family and so it's not wrong, it's not internalized misogyny to say that you want those things. That is actually, in your human nature, it is the way that God created us, and it is very sad to see these corporations try to push us further into this narrative that we all need to just be selfish and happy alone, and uh, we need to be slaves to corporations, and we can't be, want to be stay-at-home moms. And it turns out that that narrative has made women unhappier than ever over the past couple of decades. As women's so-called freedom has increased, their happiness has deteriorated because they are not giving in to their natural desires.
2: Amber Athey with The Truth. And read uh, her uh, in The Spectator, The Washington Editor. How can people find you on social media and follow your truth telling? They can find me at Twitter at Amber
4: underscore Acy and at spectator.us use my discount code Amber for 10% off.
2: Awesome. All right. Thanks, Amber. And now to just the word.